Thank you, Lord. Wow. Uh, listen, uh, here's, do me a favor if you would. Um, if you are in the back third, come closer. You remember this from last year when we did authority class. If you don't mind moving a little bit further down, I want to be able to look in your eyes and, and see your response. Um, the other thing it does for you is there may be somebody in the row near you who's like getting it. And you hear them under their breath saying, amen, or glory to God. And that helps to build your faith and, if nothing else, wake you up. So, so, so come on down, get closer. We're one body in Christ. Let's act like one body, amen? amen? Now, while you guys are doing that, there's another very important guest here tonight. He's not a guest. Actually, this is his house, and that's the Holy Spirit. And uh, I can't teach you anything but he can teach you all things. In fact, he was sent, us, sent here to do that. So uh, if you would pray with me and agree with me that, uh, that he will teach us tonight. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus and, and we bow our heads and open our hearts and our ears and our minds to you. And Lord, we pray for this night for your anointing on the teaching. We pray that it would be your word that's spoken and that your will is done. Lord, I, I realize I'm going to try to describe you with man's words and man's images, and I'm going to come woefully short because you're so great. So, Lord, take the words and the pictures and the things that I have and, and, and stir them into our hearts so that we can see you, we can get to know you, we can feel you, we can experience you tonight, Lord God. We're so hungry for you not principles and dot. We want you. So bless the teaching tonight, Lord, and bless the hearing, and help us to be doers of the word and not teachers, or not hearers only. Thank you, Lord, for that in Jesus' name, and I believe it is done. Now, one thing I didn't pray for but probably should have is, is we're going to try something new. I put a PowerPoint together for this first class because words don't do it justice. Images help. It's so hard to describe God. But what I'm going to do is try to run the PowerPoint through this phone. And, and Mike Liberty helped me with this app. And uh, so we're going to see how this works. So I should have prayed that this works. You know? <laughs> I couldn't even get my, uh, my, my mic to come on. So anyway, and I have my Bible. You, if you have your Bibles, you're going to want to look at them as well. I have a lot of scriptures to do uh, tonight. But what I really want you to do is sit back. Uh-oh, connection lost. Make sure the keynote is on. Is it on, Mike? Uh, what I want you guys to do when I go through tonight's message especially, I'm going to try to go methodically and carefully and slowly, and I want you to really just relax and open your minds, open up your hearts to this awesome and amazing God. The series that I'm going to do is called Jesus, Savior, and Lord. And what I'm going to try to unfold for you is the, the majesty and the greatness of our God. Until you understand that, the other parts, Savior and Lord, don't mean anything. And then the second night, next week, next Wednesday, we're going to unfold what salvation is, why you need to be saved, how you get saved, and what God did to save you. And then the third night, after the, we'll have a break because of prayer, then the third night we get together, we're going to talk about Jesus as Lord. But I tell you what, you cannot walk in the lordship of Jesus until you understand who he is and how he saved you. I realize that these principles sound fairly simple and straightforward, and in, in fact they are. But for those of us who are our Wednesday night crowd, you guys are versed and well, well grounded in the word, and you have heard these principles over and over again, and they, they maybe have come dull to you. But the word that God dropped in my heart is magnitude. I want to magnify these principles. I want to make them big and real in your heart. So, so open up your heart and open up your mind um, and, and, and hear what he has to say. So I'm still not seeing this. Uh, let me try again, Mike. Keynote recents. Hmm. Well... We may have to uh, have you drive. Are you there? Okay, now I need another technical help. This is pretty embarrassing, but... 
Okay. All right, thank you. We'll have this worked out by next week. In Jesus' name. Okay, so tonight we're going to talk about God. Let's talk about how big God is and who God is. And we're going to start with Genesis chapter 1. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Pretty simple, right? I mean, how many times have you started your one-year Bible and started with that verse and gotten to about January 25th, right? So this is one verse you've probably read over and over and over again, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So who is this God Hey, look. Oh, no, now it says play again. All right. Squirrely do. Here we go. This God, this word is a Hebrew word, and the word is Elohim. Everybody say that, Elohim. Elohim. Oh, man, that was terrible. You guys are reading it from left to right. You have to read it from right to left in the Hebrew. Try it again, Elohim. That's good. I have, a, I have the privilege of doing business with companies in Israel, and sometimes I can tell when they first wrote their responses in Hebrew, because when the email comes back to my computer, it's right justified. Thankfully, the words are left to right, but it's all on the right side. And you know, it makes me smile, because I understand who God's people are, his covenant people, Israel, and I just I love to think about those things. So this word Elohim uh, is a Hebrew word, and it means God. It means supreme God. But notice at the bottom there, it's plural of the word God. So there's an arrow to help you see where that is. So in the Hebrew text, if you read the word Elohim, you see that this is a plural word. So it's a singular God in a plural form. And as I mentioned to you, it means supreme God, or what we're going to refer to him as tonight, God Almighty. This is the God who created the heavens and the earth, God Almighty. Now, in Genesis chapter 1, 3, and 4, in verse 3, we said, and let there be light. God said, God, Elohim, he said, let there be light, and there was light. Wow, that's cool. And God saw the light that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. So, when Moses knew of this light, Moses, you guys know, Moses wrote the five first, books, first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, Genesis being the first of the five, and they were penned by Moses some 1400 B.C., so what, 3,500 years ago. He knew what light was. Obviously, we had the day and the night and the stars. He understood what light, and it was glorious and, and something to behold. But today, we know so much more about this light that God created. We can read over God created, right? Yeah, he spoke and exists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, big deal. Next. No, this light is amazing. Do you realize that with light, we can drill holes in steel? It's called a laser. Light amplification stimulating emission radiation, L-A-S-A-R. Laser is actually an acronym, something you might not have known. But laser light, it's, it's light. It's the light that God created, magnified by the tools of man so we can drill holes in the steel. It can actually fix your eyes, LASIK surgery. Light is an amazing thing. There's so much more that we know about this. In fact, this one thing Moses probably could recognize in his day was that when light is refracted, it splits into the rainbow colors. Obviously, he saw the rainbows in the sky. We see them through prisms or, or funny windows or, or things like this. And, uh, and you can see the different colors of the light. White light is made up of all the different colors. And God said, let there be light. And look at this is how he made it. And it's pretty cool. But here's something more amazing. Light is part of the electromagnetic spectrum. So all the energies, the different kinds of energies that God made are shown here. If you remember your physics class from high school days or college, on the far side of the short wavelengths, gamma rays and x-rays and ultraviolets. And on the other side here, we see the longer wavelengths, the radar and the radio waves and the microwaves. And you see that little strip down the middle there? That's the color of the rainbow. It's less than a tenth of a percent of all the energy that God created when he said, let there be light. God Almighty, Elohim, said, let there be light. And it was good. How great is our God? Think about it. Meditate. You read these over so casually now. And we use the name of God so randomly. OMG, come on. This is, he, he made this stuff. And we're just now discovering how to use it. Who made your x-rays? 
God Almighty. Who made your microwave? God. Who made that radar gun that gave you a ticket? No. <laughs> but he made the radar waves. God is so good. How much more did he make that we have yet to understand? He's just, and it's so infinite, it's hard to grasp a hold of. Let's go to the next one. Genesis chapter 1, verse 14 to 18. Then God, then Elohim, he said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night. And let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light on earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth and to rule over the day and the night and to divide the night, the light, from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. Look at this. God said he made the stars also. Elohim. This is a picture of our galaxy. This is the Milky Way. Have any of you ever seen it as pure and glorious as this? A few of you may have. Few of us in America get to see this. But this is how Moses would have seen it. This is how Abraham would have seen it. Last summer, we had the opportunity to go out to um, Jackson Hole, and we went to the Grand Tetons National Park and and to Yellowstone as a family. And one night during the week, uh, my oldest son Christopher and I left the house around 10.30, and we drove up uh, into the valley uh, away from the lights. And we got out of the car and looked up. (laughs) I have to share this. Christopher's response wasn't exactly eloquent. He got out of the car and looked up and said, holy crap. (laughs) But it was that awe-inspiring. It was that amazing to see. And we didn't see it as bright as this image shows. But we saw a lot of it, this huge band of light across the middle. God made those stars. We call it the Milky Way. God challenged Abraham in Genesis 15.5. I'll put it over the stars here. You can read it. He said, And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one, talking to Abram about his servant, he said, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. And then he brought him outside. And he said, Look now toward the heaven. Count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And Abram believed in the Lord. And the Lord accounted it to him for righteousness. He was challenging him to realize. Can you imagine looking up and seeing that and saying, I don't have, I'm not even have any kids, and you're saying I'm going to have that many descendants. And yet Abraham, by faith, believed God. What an amazing God that, that he made all of these things. It's just phenomenal. Now, look at this image. This is the same galaxy, but it's taken from the Hubble telescope. The same stars, we can't see most of them with the naked eye. Look at how amazing those are. Beautiful stars, colors, sizes, all within our own galaxy. God, Elohim, said, let there be. And there was. Look at this. Scientists estimate that there are 200 billion stars just in our galaxy. 200 billion in that Milky Way that Abram was challenged with, so shall your descendants be. 200 billion. And they think now that there's 100 billion galaxies. Woohoo! You take 100 billion galaxies times 200 billion stars, that's 2 times 10 to the 22nd number of stars. 2, two with 22 zeros after it, stars. Some stars are bigger than the sun that we know. Some are smaller. Some have gone away already. Some are new. Some are colliding. Some are in... I don't know all the stories of black holes, etc., but I know God said. I know God said. Hallelujah. Look at what the Bible says. Psalm 147, verse 4 and 5. He determines the number of stars, and he calls them by name. Debbie and I, we had the privilege of having five children, and naming five was a challenge enough. Two times 10 to the 22nd. How many names can you come up with? You know, maybe it's like George Foreman 1, George Foreman 2. I don't know how he did it, right? But see, that's how our pea brain mind thinks about God. He can name these. He knows, he, here, God is ever-present. He's 
at every one of those. And yet he's nearer to us than our breath. He's everywhere. God is amazing. That's, it's indescribable, uncontainable. You hung the stars in the sky and you called them by name. You are amazing, God. When we start to sing songs like that, we need to think about these things and reach out to the depths of our heart and pour out our love and our worship to him for the wonderful things that he's done. Wow. We spend so much time talking about how God is good. And he is good. So much time thinking about how God has blessed us and promised us. And he has and he will. And it's right to give him thanks and praise for the things that he has done. But to worship him? Meditate on these things. Meditate on the wonderful things that God has done. For he's a huge God. He's a big God. He's all powerful. And he knows everything. All of these stars he knows. Wow. There's more. God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to its kind, cattle and creeping things and beasts of the earth, each according to its kind, and it was so. You know, Moses could see the animals, of course, right? He saw creeping things and different birds. Do you know that scientists have identified 9,000 species of birds? 9,000. I'll bet collectively we could probably name 300 of them. But God made 9,000 of them. 9,000 birds. Why do we need that? God made them. I'm not going to ask him that question. 9,000 different species of birds. That's cool. Three, listen, the creeping things on the earth, 3,000 species of snakes. You don't like snakes? I don't like snakes either. But, but he made 3,000 of them, and it's really neat. And, and, uh, and they're different looking, and they have different capabilities, and different venoms, and different habitats, etc. You could make a living studying snakes if you wanted to. There's no way Moses could have fathomed 22,000 different species of fish. 22,000. And this is what our scientists... And, and counting. So understand this. We're, we're still learning of the vast creation. Romans talks about seeing and can't deny the existence of God just by studying his creation. Right? He's so big. Who made these things? God. He said, and it was. And he put these animals on the earth and he said, let them reproduce after their own kind. It becomes important to us. So each one produces after its own kind. And, uh, and it's just a phenomenal thing to think about how he put all these different things there and how they produce after their own kind. Does anyone know what that is? <laughs> I don't know if you want to know. There are some creatures and things that God created that we can't see with the naked eye. With the help of a microscope, we can. And this is, a, this is a bacteria that's actually one of 600 different kinds of bacteria in your mouth. In human saliva. Yeah, go home and brush your teeth, will you? <laughs> 600 different kinds of bacteria in your mouth. Wow. Now, what I read was that, that most of these are there simply because your mouth is moist and warm. They're not really there to help you or hurt you. They're just there. So it's okay, and most of us have similar kinds of bacteria, so exchanging spit is really not all that bad a deal. But, <laughs> but some of them God did put in your mouth to start the digestive process before you even swallow. Some of them are there on purpose. But nonetheless, God made all the living creatures on the earth. That's pretty neat. Think about how much God made. I mean, we could go on forever. How many plants, different kinds of trees and flowers, I don't know, insects, planets, and their moons, and there's just so many things that come. We haven't talked about elements, molecules, so many things that God made. I mean, and this is what you need to meditate on. And in fact, I'm going to challenge you right now in case I forget later. Go home and every day this week, think about how big our God is. And when you come in on, you guys are the Wednesday night crowd. You guys love God already. You know what this is about. When you come in on Sunday, you come in ready to worship him. Don't wait for the band and the choir to stir you up or to hit a song that you happen to like. You come in ready to go on time and to sing and sing your heart out to God. You'll be pulling the band with you because you've meditated on the glory and the greatness of God. They need to feel the pulling from us, not the weight of us because we're not awake yet. Come in to worship God. He's so great. He is awesome. But we're not done yet. 
Everything I just described to you is in the material realm. It can be detected by the five physical senses. Touch, taste, seeing, hearing, and smelling. Or with some kind of instrument that would help to magnify or help us detect those things. We haven't even got to the spiritual realm. Open up your minds. We'll read into this in a little bit further. Let's read in Isaiah chapter 6. In verses 1 through 5. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two his feet. And with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And the whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. Wow. So I said, woe is me. For I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Wow. Just imagine what that throne room looked like and what these spiritual beings, these angels looked like that God created. Man, in a few areas, have tried to attempt to put that into images. And here we see the description of the seraphim. Wow. Is that what he looked like? I don't know. I've never seen one. Have any of you seen a seraphim? But they're real. And God made them. And look at how majestic and how powerful they may be. Huge beings. These seraphim were in charge of of protecting and, and, and ministering to the very throne of God himself. Wow. Caretakers of the throne of God. They're considered the highest in the order of angelic beings. God said... And it was. God Almighty, Elohim, he created these angels. Just just think think about that for a minute. Absorb that. Let that hit your heart. Wow. Let's go to some more challenging ones. Ezekiel and the wheels. Ezekiel and the wheels. So we see here, and I looked in there, in the firmament that was above the head of the cherubim, there appeared something like a sapphire stone having the appearance of the likeness of a throne. Keep in mind, let me just pause here. Here you have a prophet, a man who's been taken up in a vision to see the things of God, and words are very difficult to describe the things of the Spirit. And so when you read this, it's awkward, it's hard, I can't follow, I don't understand. But there's one who can reveal it to you. That's the Holy Spirit. So when you read these things, your image of what he's describing in mind may be a little bit different. That's okay. But please open your eyes to its reality. Don't dismiss it as confusing or I don't understand it. Wow. Then he spoke to the man clothed with linen and said, Go in among the wheels under the cherub. Fill your hands with the coals from among the cherubim and scatter them over the city. And I went in as I watched. And he went in as I watched. Now the cherubim were standing on the south side of the temple when the man went in. And the cloud filled the inner court. And the glory of the Lord went up from the cherub. It paused over the threshold of the temple. And the house was filled with the cloud. Wow. The court was full of the brightness of the Lord's glory. And the sound of the wings of the cherubim were heard, even in the outer court, like the voice of Almighty God when he speaks. Then it happened when he commanded the man clothed in linen, saying, Take fire from among the wheels, from among a cherubim. And he went in and stood beside the wheels. And the cherub stretched out his hand and among the, the cherubim the, to, to the fire that was among the cherubim and took some of it and put it into his hands of the man clothed with linen, who took it and went out. The cherubim appeared to have the form of man's hands under their wings. Hmm. And when I looked, there were four wheels by the cherub, and one wheel by one cherub, another wheel by each other cherub. The wheels appeared to have the color of a barrel stone. And as for their appearance, all four looked alike, as it were, a wheel in the middle of a wheel. Wow. And when they went, they went toward any of the four directions, and they did not turn aside when they went, but followed in the direction the head was facing. And they did not turn aside when they went. And their whole body, with their back, their hands, their wings, and their wheels that the four had, were full of eyes all around. 
Hmm. I like this part. As for the wheels, they were called in my hearing, wheel. That's kind of cool. Yo, wheel, let's go. God's calling us, let's go. Wheel. Think about what these things look like. Amazing. Each one had four faces. The first face was like the face of a cherub. The second, the face of a man. The third, the face of a lion. And the fourth, the face of an eagle. Look at that. Wow. Was it a ferocious being looking thing like that? So, so, so angry? Or, or, or is he shouting glory or holy? Or what's he saying here? I don't know. But just think about it. Use your imagination. Let the Holy Spirit stir in you. God made this. This is one of his spiritual things. We don't, we don't get to see. But there's so much more to what God created than what we know on the earth. It's in fact, what we don't know on the earth is a, is a microcosm of the spirit realm that we're going to see when we get there. These are cherubim, guardians of the tree of life in the Garden of Eden. And Satan is referred to as one of these. Is this what he looked like? I don't know. And could he change his appearance? Certainly. But wow, just fascinating. Think about how big, how great, how awesome our God is. Revelations 5. Did I put this in? I did. Then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. Listen to what the voice must have sounded like, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Wow. Just think about that scene. Just amazing. Who made those? Say it with conviction. God Almighty, Elohim. Who made the angels? Colossians 1 and 16. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth. Visible and visible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All of these things were made by God, God Almighty. Amen? Amen. Think about that. That's awesome. How worthy is he of our praise? How worthy is he of our time and our talent and our treasure? Meditate on it. Fear and awe are due him. Not being afraid of him, but, but reverence. You know, sometimes when we get into our routine and our prayer closet, oh God, just, just help me with this headache, God. I just have a terrible headache and I just don't want, I don't, I want to go to work and I just don't feel like I can. Oh God, oh God. Step back. Who is God? God is Elohim, the supreme God, God Almighty. He created these wonderful things. And He created you and me. And He cares for you. And he's, there's nothing too big for Him, obviously. If He can name 200 billion trillion, let's call it a gazillion stars, God is great and greatly to be praised. All right. Now, if you have your Bibles, and I'm going to turn in mine, let's go to the rest of this uh, Colossians chapter 1 because there's some more to this that I want you to see. Whew. Okay, Colossians and chapter 1, and I'm going to start reading in verse 9. For this reason we also, since the day we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to His glorious power, for all patience and long suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. Now verse 15, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Verse 16, For by Him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through Him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body of the church, 
who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, in all things he may have the preeminence. Now, I took the liberty to paste in the proper names, proper nouns, where there are uh, personal pronouns. Is that right? He's a personal pronoun? He, him, his? Okay, so he, in verse 13 of what we just read, he, God, has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His, that's God's love, in whom we have redemption through His, that's Jesus, blood, the forgiveness of sins. You guys all know this, right? He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for by Him, Jesus, all things were created that are in heaven, that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him. That's Jesus. For him, Jesus, and he, Jesus, is before all things, and in him, in him, in Jesus, all things consist. And Jesus, of course, is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning of the firstborn from the dead, that in all things Jesus may have the preeminence. So, so who delivered us. God Almighty. Right? God delivered us by whose blood? Jesus. Okay. Who is the image of the invisible God? By whom were all things in heaven and earth created? Yeah. Jesus. Who created the thrones, dominions, principalities, and powers? You guys are getting quiet on me. This is a time to celebrate. Who was it? Jesus did. Am I saying that Jesus is God? You bet I am. You bet I am. When we think about Jesus, we often think about him on his walk on the earth. But that's not why we worship him. We worship him because he's God. All those wonderful things we just described, the stars and the creation, the animals, the fish, and the snakes. Jesus was the creator of those things. Before whom are all things? Jesus. And in whom do all things Exist Jesus, who is our creator? Jesus. Jesus. Now we're going to switch from the PowerPoint to the uh, normal um, pro presenter for the rest of the scriptures. But I need you to really understand and get a hold of this fact that Jesus is God. When we pray in Jesus' name, we're praying in the name of God Almighty. There's power in that name. You need more proof, of course. Let it, you know, every, proof, every word in Scripture should be verified by other words. So I'm going to give you some more. We're going to start with John chapter 1 and the first three verses. I don't know if we have those ready to go yet. There we are. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. Verse 3. So... So who is the Word? Well, first of all, we see that the Word was with God. Who is with God? Jesus. Jesus. And, and we also see that the Word was God. Who was God? Jesus. Jesus. Thank you. Both are the Word. And through whom all things were made, the Word, and His name is? Jesus. Jesus. John chapter 1 and verse 10. He, the Word, was in the world. And the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. How's the world going to know him today? Through us. We're his body, aren't we? But the world, he made the world, they didn't even recognize him. The word. John 1.14, we know, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as if the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word is Jesus, and He is our God. He's, he's, he's mighty God. Isaiah spoke of Him. 700 years before Jesus came on the scene, Isaiah prophesied in verse nine, chapter 9 and verse 6 of Isaiah. A famous verse we quote around Christmas time. For, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon His shoulder, and His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, 
and Prince of Peace. Who is he talking about? Jesus. Jesus. Isaiah spoke of him in chapter 7, verse 14, but we're going to use Matthew's version because he quoted this in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, in verse 22 and 23. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Who's with us? How is God with us in Jesus? Are you getting this? Jesus is God. Jesus himself proclaimed himself to be God. John chapter 8, I love this chapter. It's just such a, a tremendous discussion between Jesus and the Pharisees, the religious folks of the time. And of course, they were always trying to trap him and find ways to debate. And, and they're discussing all kinds of doctrine with, with Jesus. And it, and it comes down to who's your father? Who's your daddy? <laughs> and, 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 and he says, I am the, Jesus says, I am of my father, of whom you don't know. I'm paraphrasing. And the Pharisees said, well, no, our, our father is Abraham. And Jesus said, well, if Abraham was your father, why don't you do the things Abraham did? And eventually it comes around as Jesus says, you're, you are of your father, the devil. And the Pharisees reply, oh, we have no father but God. They're so spiritual. But Jesus really slammed them home. In John chapter 8, verse 58 and 59, Jesus said to them, most assuredly I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Then they took up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them and so passed them by. Why would they stone him for saying, before Abraham was, I am? Sounds like a lunatic, doesn't it? You know? He's a man in his 30s. There's no way he could be as old as Abraham. Well, because obviously he was making a direct reference to Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, the encounter where Moses meets God at the burning bush. And Moses is directed by God to go to Egypt to deliver his people from Pharaoh. And Moses, of course, is finding excuses, doesn't want to go. He fled from there already. He knows it's a train wreck over there. He doesn't want to go. And, and, and although he's fascinated by this burning bush, it's not consumed. So he says, all right, God, I'll, you know, who should I say send me? Who am I going to tell to your children of Israel? And, and God says what? I am who I am. In Genesis 3.14, he said, and then you shall say to the children of Israel, I am sent you. So when Jesus said to the Pharisees, before Abraham was, I am. The Pharisees knew this, and they picked up stones to throw them, because under the law, if you blaspheme God, you could be stoned. I mean, with rocks. Just clarify. <laughs> Sorry. Sometimes my carnality comes out. <laughs> But, but what's cool is that Jesus became a chameleon. He hid himself from, how could he hide himself, right? I mean, everyone knows who Jesus is in this conversation. He hid himself, wandered on out, because his time had not yet come yet. Pretty cool. He said, I am. There's another uh, verse. There's other references of, of I am throughout the Gospel of John. But here's another one I want to pick on, John 18, uh, verses 3 through 6, just before uh, Jesus is arrested. And, 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 and the scriptures say, Then Judas, having received a detachment of troops and officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, came with their lanterns, torches, and weapons. And Jesus, therefore knowing all things that would come upon him, went forward and said to them, Whom are you seeking? As Pastor John always said, when God asks you a question, he already knows the answer. And Jesus said to him, And they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. In, in verse 5, And Jesus said to them, I am he. And Judas, who betrayed him, also stood with them. And now when he said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Now, in, in, uh, in, in the New King James Version, which I, which I read from, the word he is in italics. And what that means is, in the original text, the original Greek in which this was written, that he was not there. It was inserted for clarity or grammatical correctness. So when Jesus replied, he did not say, I am he. He said, I am. And when he said, I am, the soldiers whew, fell down. The anointing was so strong on him. So powerful. Again, the Son of God likening himself to the Father. The Philippians, uh, the, Paul wrote, the Philippians said, God did not think it to be robbery. Jesus did not think it to be robbery to be equal with God. Because he was God. 
In other words, it wasn't a, a, a sin. It wasn't, it wasn't uh, against the law because he was God. And in fact, in that same chapter, chapter 2, verse 10 and 11, uh, Paul writes that, that the na- at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Or those in heaven and those on the earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is not just some great man. This is not just some great prophet, although he was both of those things. This is God. It's God. And when we, when we do things in the name of God, we better be standing and hearing from him because it's God Almighty. And when we don't think, do things in the name of God, he can get the rocks to cry out and praise him because he's God Almighty. Mm. So weighty. So rich. Again, just, I, I, I'm trying to fill your mind as best I can with God and Jesus and who they are because they're the, they're the cornerstone of our faith. It's, it's uh, on which we build everything. Without that, they're, they're, it's just a club. But ain't no club like this. This is God Almighty. This is Elohim. Now, this God, this Jesus created man. He made you and me. Don't ever forget that, by the way. Sometimes we get all full of ourselves in spiritual pride and we forget the fact that we're the creation and he's the creator. He's the boss. He made us for his good pleasure and for his purpose. We are his creation. Let's look at that back in Genesis chapter 1. Doing good on time, I think. Genesis chapter 1, the first three verses. In the beginning, God, Elohim, created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. In verse 3, then God said. We'll stop right there. Here we see God, God the Father referenced clearly here. We see the Holy Spirit clearly referenced here. He's hovering over the face of the deep. And then we see, then God said, that's God's word. Who's the word? Okay, three of you said it. Who's the, who's the word? Jesus. Jesus. Yes, God the Father, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit created the heavens and the earth in the beginning. God Almighty, he made man now in his image. Genesis 1.26. Then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. There you see the reference to the plurality once again. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit. All saying, we're going to make man in our image. There's no other creature that God made that can make that claim. No, no other living being, angels or animals or snakes or anything, can say that they were made in the image and likeness of God. Let's look at Genesis chapter 5 and verse 1. Now, this is the book of the genealogy of Adam. In the day that God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. He created them male and female and blessed them and called them mankind in the day that they were created. So we see it again. It's reiterated here that man was made in the image and likeness of God. Now, wait a minute. I just described this amazing, powerful, mighty creator who can do all things. And our image of man is not that. Certainly not my image of myself and and not my image of all of you. (laughs) Right? But the word says we were created in his image and likeness. What does that mean? I've heard different teachings on this, and, 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 and they're partially right, but somehow they just didn't quite complete it for me. But, but I've heard it well, man's a spirit being, and God's a spirit. Those facts are true. But angelic beings are spirit beings also. So there's nothing unique about being a spirit being as a man or a woman, just to be clear. Right? It, it could mean that man has a body, a soul, and a spirit, three parts. But angels were described as having bodies, wings and wheels and what have you, right? So, so they have some kind of body too. How about a will? You know, I've heard it taught that the difference is that man has a will. Well, my dog has a will. You know, when I tell him to come in and he's chasing the squirrel, he's not following after my commands. He's doing his will, right? The angels had a will. I mean, they, a third of them followed the devil out of heaven because they had a will. So these aren't really unique attributes that make man unique, 
But what I think it means is that we were made to be like God's children. We weren't born of God, but we were made of God to be his children. In fact, I don't know if uh, you have the scripture ready, but it's one toward the end I want to go to now. Genesis 5 and verse 3. Do you have that? Genesis 5 and 3. Perfect. And Adam lived 130 years and begot a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. Can you see the same phraseology here? It's natural to think that Adam and Eve had a child and that the child looked like the father and mother. We, we're used to that. Chip off the old block, right? And you can see your family attributes in your offspring. So that same description is how God made man, like a son, like a daughter. We were made in the image and the likeness of God. Get a hold of this. We were made holy. We were made holy in the beginning, in the garden. We were made righteous. Wow. He created us that way. Put us in the garden. We were made free. He made us pure. All of God's attributes he put in us, except, of course, he's creator. He's all-powerful and all-knowing. We don't have those. But otherwise, he made man to be like his children, his sons and his daughters. Why? Because God is love. And love is selfless. And he needs a place to pour out his love on a recipient who could receive his love in only a way a child could receive it. The angels couldn't do that. The animals couldn't do that. The plants and stars, the sun, the moon, none of that could return the love and receive the love the way a child can. So he put man in the garden and made him like him so that he could fellowship with him. His spirit was one with man's spirit. They could talk together, walk together, spend time together. They, they did all kinds of things together because of a father, son, and daughter relationship made in the image of God so God could pour out his love and be ever-present with his man. Amen. The reason I'm dwelling on this is because all of us are familiar with the after-the-fall situation when we're not in fellowship with God. And then when we hear that when God saved us and in him we have all these promises, we go, huh? But look, it's, it's how God made us to begin with. Can you see that? It's the original way God wanted us to be. And when you realize that, it makes you accept your salvation with so much more joy because it's real. It's what God wants. It's not some, oh, man, I had to do something about these people. This is real. And when he, we'll talk about salvation next week. Let's go to Psalm chapter 8. John, uh, Psalm 8, verses 3 through 6. The psalmist writes, When I consider your heavens... We just talked about the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained. What is man that you're mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels and you have crowned him with glory and honor and you have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. God Almighty, Elohim, he crowns his creature man with glory and honor. And, and he visits his man, and he's mindful of us. He gave us dominion over all the works of his hands, and, and, and he made us a little lower than the angels. But the Hebrew word there for angels is Elohim. It's God, almighty God. God made man to be just under God. And the angels are subject to man. Jewish tradition uses the word angels because they couldn't wrap their heads around the idea that, God could, that man could be God's kids. They looked at us like other animals, whatever, and the angels just seemed so much bigger and more powerful, they couldn't handle it, so they put the angels in there. But the Hebrew word is Elohim, God Almighty. Supreme God, and man was made a little lower than himself as his kids. A natural progression of things. Wow. That's amazing. 
And there's so many more scriptures we could talk about, but the night is drawing nigh, and, I, and, and I, I don't want to bog you down with more principles. I want you to meditate on the ones I've shared. Think about how big God is. Think about how great he is. Recognize that it's not only God the Father, but it's God the Son. It's Jesus. Jesus. And we, we say in the name of Jesus, be healed. We're saying in the name of God Almighty, be healed. Wow. When we say come and meet somebody who's changed my life, it's Jesus. We're talking about come face to face with a relationship with God Almighty through Jesus Christ our Lord. You have to get a hold of this. This isn't some some cult that was started 2,000 years ago by a man. This is God. And we know it because we're here on a Wednesday night and we have a deep, real relationship with God Almighty through Jesus Christ. We know He's here in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. But there's a lot of folks out there who still need to meet Him. And we're going to talk about that, but not tonight. Wow. Let's pray. My God, my God, there's so much more that we want of you. There's so much more that we can have, and there's so much more you want to give us. Open our ears to hear you and our hearts to see you and our eyes and and, and help us to fellowship and relate to you in the way that you designed us. You've given us the means. You've saved us. You've given us your Holy Spirit. Why are we so neglectful? Help us repent. Help us to put you first and to pursue you and be God chasers. Lord, help us to come in on Sunday. Or not even wait. Let's go home worshiping God. Get up tomorrow worshiping you and come in together collectively in one accord and raise our voices to you. Glory and honor. Lord, we give you thanks that we can meet you tonight and get to know you better. And it's been a privilege. Everybody look up at me. I have one more question to ask.